Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me to freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just on the Suffering Podcast between New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. The NFL regular season is over. Super wild card weekend is here. And for the first time in the history of this podcast, a New York team is playing in the playoffs. The Giants head to Minnesota on Sunday to take on the Vikings. I'm going to be joined just a bit by Daryl Slager, who covers the Giants at Star Ledge. We're going to preview that game, get some of Daryl's thoughts on the playoffs as a whole. We'll talk about that in just a bit. We're also going to do our Super Wildcard Weekend picks with Phil Fred. I'm running a giant fan on board here for the picks here. We're going to pick all six games. We're going to do that in just a bit. Michigan Lock in the NHL 62 minutes. We're going to recap the national championship game between TCU and Georgia. You my thoughts on that as well. Like you hear the Justin Suffering Podcast, for you to subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering Your Favorite Podcast platforms. You can find episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and starring as well with the podcast. Even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video version of the conversations with Phil and Daryl Slayer will be up on YouTube. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip here. We're going to recap Week 18, but we need to know heading into the playoffs. That's coming up here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here. Opening tip time here. The NFL regular season's over. Week 18 recap. Following him has a lot of drama. None from the locals. Their face for the side, but there's a lot of ground to cover here. Starting the AFC South. Jags beat the Titans Saturday night. Key fumble return by Jacksonville late in the game being the key for the win. Doug Peterson deserves a ton of credit here for the Jaguars. They were 4-8 about a month ago. They were dead in the water. Now they're 9-8. Trevor Lawrence is ascending. They have a home playoff game against the Chargers. They're a team nobody in the AFC wants to face right now. A lot of credit to Jacksonville. They are in position to rule out the division for years, thanks to the inept of the other three teams in it. AFC home field goes to the Chiefs. They beat the Raiders. They will have a neutral site title game if it's against the Bills. Anybody else, they're in Arrowhead Stadium. This is due to the league's decision, not to resume the Bengal game. I talked about the ramifications of that on the blog last week, just on the sovereign.wordpress.com. You might find that for all the full details. So that's the Chiefs' angle. Speak of the Bills. How awesome was it for Buffalo? In their first play after the Damar Hamlin injury, they returned the opening kickoff to the house. It had been three years and three months to the day since the Bills ran a kickback for a touchdown, which is insane. It sort of tells you there's some sort of like karmic stuff around with sports. It's pretty awesome. The Bills win big. They knock the Patriots out of the playoffs. The Jets offensively don't show up in Miami. The, the Dolphins claim the last playoffs about an ugly 11-6 victory. It's incredible. The Jets did not score an offensive touchdown in the last three games. Or a touchdown period. That's with three different starting quarterbacks. Remember, Zach Wells to start the Jaguar game. Mike White last week in Seattle. Joe Flacco here. That's a bit of a problem. It's a problem for another day, but it's a problem. The Dolphins went close out the Steelers, who did their part. They won. They beat the Browns. They go 9-8. They extended Mike Tomlin's streak of non-losing seasons. He's never had a losing season head coach. It's incredible. But they were eliminated due to a head-to-head tiebreaker as they lost to Miami earlier in the season. The other AFC domino, the Bengals beat the Ravens. We're still without Lamar Jackson doing the injury. They're hoping he's back this week. 
They ensure their home playoff game was actually home. Thanks to that league's decision to do a coin flip because they're saying if Baltimore won and Baltimore's the sixth seed, they're going to say, you know, we're going to flip a coin because Baltimore didn't get a chance to actually win the division they play one last game. That's no longer a factor. They're going to meet again this week in Cincinnati. We'll see if Lamar Jackson's ready for that game. NFC side here, the Gi- Eagles get home field. They win 22-16 over the Giants, who did not play anybody of importance. You credit to the backups here for not quitting on the game. Eagles also did, for the most part, take their foot off the gas, and they had that big lead. Eagle win, locks Dallas into the fifth seed. Cowboys didn't really give much of an effort against the Commanders. They lose the game, but the end doesn't matter. They're locked in that 4-5 game against Tampa Bay once the Eagles took care of their business. 49ers blow out the Cardinals, get the two seed. Drops the Vikings out of the three seed. Why is it important? Because that's who the Giants are playing on Sunday. We'll get to that more in a minute. I do want to shout out here a minute how the number one pick situation played out. The Bears were the, on the losing end of the Viking game, so they ended up getting number one pick because Houston went for two late against the Colts. Got it and picked up the win. Lovey Smith ends up getting fired last night. He probably knew it was coming, but bravo Lovey Smith, bravo the players to stick in that organization, which put them in position to fail. Basically, two years in a row, one-and-done coaches just t- trying to tank their way to the top pick. Now they don't have it. Now they have to trade for it. Good for them. These are professionals that pride in their jobs. Good for them playing hard down the stretch in a situation where a lot of guys could have quit. Last round of the week came on Sunday night. Seattle won earlier in the day and knocked the Lions out. Green Bay is sitting here at the winning spot. They win. They're in the playoffs. They lose. Seattle is in. Only the Packers managed to choke this game. They lose to the Lions 20-16. They get knocked out of the playoffs. Send the Seahawks back to the playoffs with Geno Smith under center. The thing that stuck with me in this game is the Lions obviously came in here wanting to knock the Packers out. But Green Bay screwed this up because they let Detroit hang around. They had multiple opportunities early to put this game where they didn't. When you have a team that's out, they're going to come out hard because they want to play hard. They're professionals. But you can put that away by you stepping on their throat early and get them to mail the rest of the game in. Green Bay did not do that. They still have a three first half field goals and missed a fourth. So instead of this being, you know, like a 24-6 game at halftime and Detroit saying, okay, you know, good effort, guys. Let's get ready for next year. It's 9-6. When you get to the locker room 9-6, Dan Campbell's get the fiery speech and they're going to be all in. I remember 2009, the Jets were in a similar spot against the Bengals. Bengals nothing to play for. They could guarantee to knock the Jets out. Rex Ryan's team's up twice at nothing at halftime. The Bengals are mailed in. This game also could be Aaron Rodgers' last game with the Packers. He let his future up in the air after the game. What a bitter ending this would be, though. You go from 4-8, and eight, complete control of your own destiny for a playoff spot, and choking it? Yikes. Here's a schedule Super Wild Card Weekend. you got Seahawks 49ers on Saturday, 4-30. Chargers, Jaguars, Saturday night. Sunday triple header. Dolphins, Bills at 1. Giants, Vikings in the 440 Sunday slot, which is the biggest rating slot of the weekend. Ravens, Bengals Sunday night. Monday night, Cowboys, Bucks, probably the game of the weekend. will be a lot of fun to see how that all plays out. We'll talk more about the Giants specifically with Daryl Slater right after this call from last week's Giants win over the Colts, courtesy CBS's Kevin Harlan and Trent Green. Jones, Hodgson's touchdown. Hodgins grabs it. Another six-yard touchdown pass. Isaiah Hodgins. Well, that's just taking advantage of the zone. The Colts are in zone. They can't get out there far enough. Hodgins just goes up three, four yards, hooks up, knows that his defender is lined up in the end zone, knows that Franklin has to get out to the flat. 
All right, we are back here getting ready for the NFL playoffs. The Giants are in for the first time since 2016. Join me today to break it all down is the guy who covers the Giants, the Star Ledger. Great friend of the podcast, Daryl Slater is here. Daryl, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, I got to say, it's a lot of fun here for, if you're a Giant fan right now. And I got to say, if we went back to August here and I told you that on January 9th, you'd be getting ready to cover a Giant playoff game, what would you have thought? Yeah, no chance, right? I don't think anyone would have thought this team would be in the playoffs. I think probably four or five, six wins to the ceiling, and they wound up with really essentially nine and a half wins with with the tie and nine seven and one in Brian Dable's first year. Obviously, they they tanked the game yesterday and uh, and rested their starters in Philadelphia. And, and who knows if they would have beat them full strength anyway? They might get a chance to uh, if if uh, things fall uh, the right way, and if the Giants beat the, the Vikings in Minnesota. So it's certainly. Uh, an overachieving first year for Brian Dable, no doubt. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I think the, the way they approached the game was the correct one yesterday because they had nothing to gain. Yeah. It's so banged up all year with all these guys. They basically had everybody importance here, though. Got to give the backups credit and the coach that credit here that, like, they easily could have just mailed it in when they were down 16 nothing early on, but they did fight to get themselves back in that game. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not like the Eagles were out for blood either. I mean, like the, the Cowboys were going to lose, were losing to the Commanders anyway. The Eagles were in control. They wanted to get out of there healthy as well, even though they did play their starters. So, um, yeah, no, I think the right approach there for Brian Dable. And, um, I think ultimately, if they do go and get crushed in Minnesota, I don't think the reason is that they rested their starters. The reason is that the Vikings just have a lot more talent than the Giants. Um, even though, as we've seen this year, um, you know, uh, uh, 13 and 14 that going into week 18 had a minus 19 point differential in the, in the Vikings. They're, they're certainly beatable as we saw on Christmas Eve um, when the Giants um, almost got a chance to beat them in overtime, um, but the 61 yard field goal. And so uh, a really juicy rematch opportunity here. Yeah, for sure here. Before we get to that rematch here, I want to touch on Brian Dable here because obviously what he did was remarkable. You look at the names in this roster, especially some positions like the receiving core and like, some of the key defensive spots. You look at it, you're like, this team should be winning like four games. So, like, considering the fact they've won nine, you said basically nine and a half, they're in the playoffs here. Is there any way that Brian Dable's not coach of the year? Well, I think Nick Sirianni has got not, has an argument for that. Uh, I think Doug Peterson has certainly has a really good argument for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, Brian Dable has as good of ar- an argument as anybody, um, considering the state of his roster and considering – the way he's elevated Daniel Jones uh, this year, and not only the state of the roster. Uh, I mean, they were they were a thin roster going in, and then they had so much attrition at receiver, um, and they traded Kadarius Tony. They lost Sterling Shepard to his uh, to his injury, and now it's not like the offense has lit it up in spite of all that. They really haven't, um, but they found ways to win. I mean, they found ways to win close games. They found ways to win late in games, and you know, at times winning with defense is. But again, it's not like, and if you look at the PFF ratings, this team is like low in those. I mean, their defense is not highly rated. They give up big chunks of yards. They're really good in the red zone, and they're really good defensively. And offensively, they're really good in the red zone. So they're an opportunistic team and certainly a, a much better coach team than they've been in years. And uh, I think all along, if you, you know, you go into this giant season last year, right? And you, you thought, okay, well, the GM doesn't have the ability to go and make these win-now moves in free agency because he was – Joe Shane was hamstrung by the bad cap situation that Dave Gettleman left him in. This was always going to be a coaching season, whether Joe Judge was the coach or, or Brian Dable was the coach, in that 
you know, the coach was going to have to, the coaching staff was going to have to make a big difference for, for whatever this team was going to accomplish. Now, next year is a different story. They have a lot more cap space. Joe Shane can do a better job of, or a you know, more complete job of putting his imprint on this team. But um, this was always going to be a coaching season, and Brian Dable and his coaching staff certainly rose to the occasion. Yeah, they definitely did. It also makes you feel good if you're a Giant fan knowing that like Brian Dable got my team to the playoffs with like this little town on it. Imagine he's going to look like he actually gets the players he actually wants in here. Yeah, I mean, and they got into the playoffs like legit too as a sixth seed, not this like silly seventh seed that you see is like very, you know, it's he's come kind of watered down, right? I mean, in, in the limited time that we've seen this seventh seed, I mean, the Bears like fired their, <laughs> their staff after uh, after their their coach ever getting getting the playoffs as, as their seventh seed, but the Giants got in as a sixth seed, so they would have been in under the old format too. And um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of signs of hope now. There's a big task ahead for improving this roster because uh, you know the schedule is going to get harder just by virtue of, of the the season that they had, um, and they don't have the draft hall to go out and 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 and, and uh, address things that way. But yeah, I mean, repeating this is not going to be easy. Obviously, they have to make improvements to the roster. But in terms of like where they stand right now, um, Giants fans should be overjoyed, regardless of whatever happens in Minnesota this week. This is a successful first season, no doubt, for Brian Dable. Absolutely is here. And obviously, we've we got to touch on the elephant here. I like that the fact that the Giants and Vikings played just a couple of weeks ago. That game was fresh in the mind of Giant fans. Like, what was your big takeaways from the first matchup? that ends up coming down to that 61-yard field goal. Greg Joseph hits with the gun to win it for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was clear that the Giants can play with this team and they can move the ball on the Vikings. Um, and that's something that you haven't been able to say about a lot of teams the Giants have faced, um, you know, over the past, what, three years, really. They, haven't, they have not been able to consistently move the ball. Um, they had an absurd streak, I think, of like 43 straight games of, of not scoring 30-plus points that was snapped when they played the Colts, who were obviously horrible, um, and clinched the playoff spot. But, um, they, you know, they're not, they haven't been an explosive offense, but they, they were able to move the ball against the Vikings. So I think that they can take, um, and they moved the ball really well in a big spot late in the game when they tied it with that, with that long touchdown drive. So I think they can take some encouragement from that they obviously have to do a better job of covering Justin Jefferson on a whole and in big spots obviously his 17 yard catch on that third and 11 play helps set up a really an improbable field goal but still um you know if they hold him there then to even 10 yards that game the game's going overtime um so yeah uh those are those are certainly areas where they have to look at and 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 see uh how they can do a better job but um, they can definitely take a lot of encouraging things from that first game. Yeah, absolutely. You look at the way the bracket falls in the NFC here. I mean, considering they were never gets the five seed with the way Philly and Dallas were. I mean, their options here, considering the other option was San Francisco, they're plus 173 point differential. The Vikings, th- same 34 record, they minus three point differential. I feel like the Giants are not written this up any better considering where they end up falling in the standings. Yeah, no, I, I the Aaron Rodgers did him a huge favor by, by beating the Vikings uh, last week, not this past week but the week prior um which dropped the vikings down to the to the three seed which the 49ers previously had so um san francisco is up to the two seed and you know obviously i think that's a better reflection of like the quality of their team compared to the vikings but but yeah this is a good matchup for the Vikings or the giants on many levels they played this team they've moved the ball against this team um it's a shorter trip um they've they've played in this setting recently um so yeah, I mean, they, they haven't played the Niners this year. It's a long trip. Uh, the Niners have an absurdly good defense. So, 
I think the Giants, I wrote it early last week, the Giants, and it looked, when it looked like, obviously, it was going to be Minnesota. Um, the Giants should be really happy that this is their matchup. And, you know, they, they, they could get Philly in the second round, I guess, right? If, unless, for whatever reason, um, Seattle beats uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, if the Giants beat the Vikings and then they go to Philly. Um, so, no, I mean, the Eagles crush them, and, and we'll see. We'll cross that, we'll, I'm sure they'll cross that bridge, obviously, when they get to it. But um, that's one that, um, you know, they're familiar with the Eagles, obviously. So, anyway, but I, I think that this first their first this first matchup um, is, is, a, is a good one for the Giants. Uh, it's not a, a sure thing win, certainly, but um, they, should, they should feel optimistic about uh, their chances in this game. Yeah, definitely think it's one of the more interesting games of the weekend here. The NFL clearly feels it's going to be a great game, too. I mean, they put it in that prime, like, 4.30 Sunday slot, which is, like, the supposedly the game of the weekend, usually. So, I think the NFL has made this going to be a very good game, too. Yeah, for sure. And a big market team in the Giants. Um, so, I think that that's definitely played into that. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, like, one thing you, that I, I worry about here is I'm a Giant fan is I feel like, there's a lot of public perception that's going to be like, oh, the Giants can win this game. I think the point spread says as much here, and there's a lot of this. But, like, Minnesota did not win 13 games by accident here. Like, I do feel like there's a possibility here that, like, the Giants have to be careful. They don't get, like, too caught up in, like, all the hype around this game. Oh, like, they can win this game. People got people picking them. Like, Minnesota is still very talented. I feel like they're still going to have issues, like, stopping Jefferson Jefferson like he did the first time. They're going to have a lot of issues stopping Justin Jefferson. Is that, I mean, uh, just based on the reality of the way his season has unfolded, and, uh, well, there's a couple things at play here. I mean, is Adore Jackson going to be back from his knee injury? He hasn't played since November 20th. He hasn't played a full game since the week prior. So it'll be two months since he's played a full game, if he's even back. Now, he played it secretive last night after the game um, where, about whether he'd play this week. He even said um, – you know, he'd be hesitant to play hurt because he doesn't want to uh, hinder the Giants secondary, um, you know, and, and be it. Uh, and you could make the argument that he's, he, that he at less than 100% is, is better than, say, Fabian Moreau at 100%. But um, the fact remains that it's supposedly still un, unclear whether he'll play this weekend. We'll see. I think he ultimately does play Adore Jackson. But uh, Justin Jefferson's gotten over on plenty of good corners this year. I mean, it, Xavier McKinney, their Giants three safety after the game last night, was expressed a lot of confidence that the Giants could could shut uh, Justin Jefferson down. I had a story up there last night on that, um, you know, and he said he, you know, that uh, he's not somebody that we haven't seen be stopped before. He said Xavier McKinney said that about Justin Jefferson, which, yeah, sure. I mean, teams have some teams have stopped him. The Eagles held him to forty eight yards. The Jets to forty five. The Lions to fourteen. Okay, that, that's that's. Three, but like I mean, if you look at his other games, I mean, he's gone for I have, I have it right here in front of me: two twenty-three, one ninety-three, one eighty-four, one fifty-four, one forty-seven, and one thirty-nine. So his one thirty-three against the Giants was actually his his seventh highest total of the year, which is crazy. I mean, that's like the best game of the year for a lot of a lot of receivers. Obviously, this guy's the best receiver in the league, and so it's going to be a huge challenge, regardless of whether they have a Dory Jackson or not. Um, but it certainly would help if they do have him. I definitely would here. I think for me, I feel like the key to this game for the Giants is obviously I look at the first game here. It's like Daniel Jones up throwing a lot through 42 passes in that game and Saquon Barkley at 14 carry. I feel like the Giants that they're going to win this game have to get Saquon more involved on the running on the running game front. I feel like you want to try and keep Kirk Cousins that offense off the field as long as he possibly can. Yes, I, I think so. You know, that's that's a good point. I mean, they, they were down, I believe, uh, 10 nothing in that game. So they, they did have to throw the ball a little bit to get back 
into it. I haven't looked at the full breakdown of like when, when they ran the ball or how committed they ever were to the run in, in that game. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, that was a game where they were down 10, nothing until late in the first half and, and, and managed to come back and, and take the lead going into the fourth quarter, actually. Uh, I mean, Minnesota took the lead back like 45 seconds into the fourth quarter, but they had the lead going into the fourth quarter. And so it's a, yeah, another example of a Giants team that's been resilient all year uh, and has been able to, to play mostly well in the fourth quarter. Um, obviously, they, they lost that game in the fourth quarter. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that there, there's certainly uh, you know a lot of things. You, you talk about moving the ball. And Saquon Barkley had the 27-yard touchdown run uh, to tie the game there before the two-point conversion uh, with two minutes left, right? So, so there's some encouraging things there that you know, yeah, he can probably, you know, he might be able to uh, Barkley get some yards against his defense, and um, this Vikings defense has been, um, you know, at times you can get over on him a, a little bit, um, and the Giants know that, and there's film out there of that, so because it's a rematch, I mean, it's it's going to be a really, I don't know how many. These other games are real. I mean, Miami, Buffalo, obviously. I haven't looked at how many of the other Baltimore, Cincinnati, right? So, like, there's some rematch there. But the, because it's a rematch, it's an, it's an intriguing one here for uh, for the Giants. Yeah, I think it definitely is here. And, like, in terms of, like, besides Barkley, I think your keys to the game are for the Giants to win this game. Yeah, I, I, Barkley, Jefferson, you know, they have to do a better job in those situations of just limiting Jefferson to, uh, you know, limiting his big plays. I mean, he's going to get yards. Um, you know, they got to get some pressure on Kirk Cousins, and, and they've done a better job lately of getting pressure. And a big factor in that will be Aziz Ojolari, who's been dealing with injuries all year. I mean, a lot of talk about Kayvon Thibodeau. He's been in the news, obviously, for the Nick Foles thing. Um, but any, And it has played well. I mean, <laughs> you talk about the game that pretty much put him into the playoffs, winning in Washington on Sunday night. Kayvon Thibodeau like, almost kind of won that game for them with the strip sack, um, then the stop of Taylor Heineke at the goal line. Um, so... Um, but Aziz Ojolari on a, on a play and play out basis has, has played really well. He just had a hard time staying healthy with a calf injury, now an ankle injury. So that's something to watch this week along with the Adore Jackson knee situation is, is will Aziz Ojolari be, uh, be ready to play? I mean, he, he got hurt in, in this game and suffered a lateral ankle sprain against the Vikings and really has not been back to full hundred percent yet. So the rest, pro, you know, we, you would think would help him. The fact that he didn't play against the Eagles yesterday, um, so they're going to have to do a, a good job of getting some pressure on Kirk Cousins and, and not letting him just sit back there and give time, giving time to Justin Jefferson to kind of get open and pick apart that secondary. All right, real quick, while I have you, I want to get your take real quick on the rest of the a- NFC playoff games here. Obviously, you got uh, the 49ers Seahawks on on Saturday, and then you have the Cowboy Bucking on Monday night. What do you think about those two games? Yeah, I, I don't think Dallas should have much problem with Tampa. Um, you know, I guess it all depends really on what, what what version of Tom Brady you're getting. I mean, he, he still can do it, you know, <laughs> which is remarkable. Um, you saw a couple weeks ago, you know, he still can he still can play really, really well in, in the clutch, but um, I, I think Dallas should be able to get it together and beat that Tampa team. Um, they've had a lot of issues, obviously, in Tampa this year. Um, it would be a, honestly a colossal disappointment if the Cowboys lose that game. That would be a, you. You could be looking at, at at the end of Mike McCarthy's time in Dallas if they lose that game. Um, and and hey, maybe if they lose in the divisional round, maybe Jerry Jones uh, does the, pulls a pulls a plug on it anyway. There, but uh, I think the Niners should be able to beat Seattle. I mean, you look at Seattle yesterday; they had to 
they had to beat, uh, or they didn't have to beat the Rams, but you know, a situation where um, that would have helped. They were able to win nineteen sixteen in overtime, um, but they've stubbed their toe a little bit here late. The Seahawks have. I mean, they started six and three, wound up you know going one and five after that. So, you know, I feel like probably regressed to the mean a little bit there. I mean, Geno Smith's had a nice year. He's been a great story, but the Niners' defense, Nick Bosa, are just so ridiculous. So, I, I think. Probably chalk hold in that San Francisco Seattle game with San Francisco moving on as the two, and then I'll take Dallas in the other game. So that would put um, San Fran and Dallas, which is an, always an awesome matchup in, in the divisional round. And then, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it for the for the Giants. I, I, it, to me, a three is three is a reasonable line just because of how close the Vikings have played so many games this year. And how beatable they've looked at times. I mean, you mentioned their current point differential, and it, like going into week eighteen, it was minus nineteen for a twelve and fourteen, which is almost like impossible. Um, but I do think, um, I do think, uh, and and I'll have to actually change the divisional round pick because if the Vikings do win, then it would be what Vikings, Niners, and then Dallas would play Philly. So that's how it would work. But um, as I was looking at the bracket, I got ahead of myself there, but. Uh, but if the Giants do win, then it would be Dallas Niners and uh, Giants Philly, which would be two really awesome matchups um, in the divisional round. But I'll pick the I'll pick the Vikings. You know, the Giants have a chance. If I, if they were going to San Francisco, I would give them probably a, a ten to twenty percent chance of winning the game. You know, this one I think you look at and they say they probably have uh, you know a, a thirty or forty percent chance of winning the game. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like the AFC side, I feel like it's much more cut and dry, cause especially because you have these situations yeah. going on with the quarterback injuries with Tua in Miami, who might not be cleared to play in this game. Who knows, Lamar Jackson in uh, Baltimore, if he goes in there. I think the game to watch is ironically the Jacksonville Charger game on Saturday night. I feel like that game's going to be a lot of fun. I was kind of surprised they put that game on Saturday, because that's kind of like the weird game and like the, you know, the, the game that's you know got a smaller market team in it. Well, honestly, let's be honest, two teams that like most people just don't care about. I mean, <laughs> they have relatively small. I mean, you, you could get a ticket to either of those teams' games. I would think at least Jacksonville for you know nothing most of the time. But um, but it is an intriguing game um, because you do have two of the two players and two quarterbacks who are going to be around for a long time in this league, and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. And, and Lawrence has really taken the next step this year and now that he has a competent head coach. So that one's a, that one to me is a toss up with the chargers having to come all the way across the country to play in Jacksonville. The other ones, I think Buffalo should be fine. Cincinnati should be fine. So you'll have the one, the two and the three moving on, obviously since uh, Kansas city already has the buy. So the other one isn't, is a really fascinating toss up. Um, uh, but I, I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and just take the better story in Jacksonville. Why, why not, right? I mean, like, you know, let's let's see if Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence can keep this going. Um, he's a tremendous talent, there's no doubt, and and the Jets really missed out. I mean, ultimately, if you think about it, they 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 weren't able to get the number. I don't. I have to go back and think how that what, end of that season went. But I think they did win a win a game. The Jets did late. I think maybe against the Rams that that previous year, um, in 2020. Uh, he was a huge upset. I, I think in retrospect, that did knock him out of the hunt for Trevor Lawrence. I'd have to go back and run the numbers. Anyway, they got Zach Wilson instead of Trevor Lawrence, and it's very obvious to everybody that <laughs> that, that not only is uh, Trevor Lawrence a better quarterback than Zach Wilson, low bar there, um, but he uh, you know he could be one of the better quarterbacks in this league for years to come. And this this could be his his arrival moment on Saturday night uh, in, in that home game against the Chargers.
Yeah, I remember that situation very well. It was really, I think the Jets, could, could, based on the strength of schedule situation, the Jets really could, only, could not afford to win a game. They were not going to get that pick. And the way the division's set up right now, the ineptitude and the, the other three teams, so the Jets will sort of set up to run that division for a while. For sure, for sure. And they and they have a, they made a really good hire, finally. Um, and uh, they've, they've stuck with some coaches who obviously were not, uh, um, who, you know, were not going to, going to be long-term solutions obviously but they, they gave guys a chance you know doug and doug marone and you know, who, who wants some games there but to to shad khan's credit you know he, he decided urban meyer and it was obvious to everybody like this is not going to work and he moved on quickly and um they not only moved on quickly um but he made a great hire i, I think doug peterson is 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 perfect for that situation. Um, he had gotten tired. Peterson had of some of the micromanaging, a lot of the micromanaging in Philly from Jeffrey Lurie. And, uh, he's in a situation now where he obviously has more ability to, to run the show down there. And it's, it's a great spot for him. He can, he can mentor a young quarterback who is obviously was really eager to, um, you know, have a coach who knew what the heck he was doing, commanded some respect from that locker room. And so, um, yeah, that'll be a fun one to see. I think Doug Peterson's got plenty of years left as a as a coach in this league, um, and 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 it, he and Trevor Lawrence could be together for a while because um, you know the bar is low for success in Jacksonville, and um, and yeah, I, I think you know this is the type of season where you know it's going to buy Doug Peterson a, a couple of years, and and not only that, more importantly, it's going to give Trevor Lawrence a ton of confidence for what he can do, and he's made some incredible throws. You look at some of the some of the best quarterback throws in the back half of the season. He, he's right up there. And so uh, he's a fun guy to watch. And so that'll be a, certainly a fun game uh, on Saturday night, even if, you know, maybe it doesn't draw a huge rating, but I think just from an objective standpoint, it, it's a really cool game. Um, and probably, I think definitely will be the most competitive of those three uh, AFC wildcard uh, first round games. Absolutely, Daryl. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, can people follow on social media? Keep up with your coverage of the Giants for the Star Ledger. Yep, it's Daryl Slater at D A R R Y L S L A T E R on Twitter. And so I appreciate everyone reading and thanks for having me up. Thanks again for all the time. I really appreciate it. All right, take care. Show me the money. All right, show me the money. NFL picks for Super Wild Card Weekend. We're picking all six games of the playoffs here. Join me today. A guy who did not think his team would be in this in the playoffs this, when we did this uh, predictions back in in August. Phil Fred is here. Phil, how are you? I am doing well, Mike. And uh, yeah, I don't think anybody picked the Giants to make the playoffs, myself included. Uh, but I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend here, too. So as we do, we're going to start talking about what happened here the last game. Not much to note here, the Giants-Eagles. I mean, the Giants didn't really try. They made everybody of importance in this game. But any big takeaways from what we saw on Sunday? Uh, more, more of the same of what you've seen all season, even though the backups were playing. Brian Dable is a good football coach, and he's got these guys playing hard for him. Even the giant scrubs, they uh, they gave the Eagles a game, and the Eagles had to win that game. It was a big game for them. They played it to win, and the giant scrubs gave them a game. So uh, it's encouraging to see Dable just always has those guys ready to play. Yeah, I mean, for sure, the Eagles did definitely take their foot off the gas. Like, after, like, they got up 16 nothing. it's okay, Dallas is losing. We're good either way. But give the, I, I'm with you. Give the backups credit for not just folding it up. 
No, they, they played they played a tough game. Davis Webb, he he wasn't terrible. He he was competitive. Yeah, I think this is a good good sign here. And obviously there's a possibility the season ends this week with the Giants, but like over what we see from 18 weeks, what's your big takeaways from year one of the Brian Dable era? Uh, what I said there, he, the guy can coach football and his team plays hard for him. The the Giants, they got a lot of talent. They they got a lot out of a little bit of talent. That's what I'm trying to say. They don't have a lot of talent on either side of the ball. And Dable got a lot out of those guys. Uh, is Can you say that some of it is smoke and mirrors and maybe a lucky bounce here or there? Sure. That, that's an NFL season. And when you go nine, seven, and one, you're bound to have some games that could have gone either way. But the the important thing is the Giants won those games. And uh, they consistently played well. They played hard. They didn't give up. And, you know, I think Dable and his staff, they got a lot out of the quarterback. They showed us a lot. Daniel Jones looks like he can be a legitimate quarterback in this offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. The thing I feel is encouraging here, as I said at this beginning of the year, and we're saying it now here, is like, you guys are the playoffs, a team that might be like the 25th most talented roster in football here with all credit to this coaches here. Imagine what Brian Dable can do once he gets better players on the roster. That that I agree. I completely agree. They, they, there are some pieces that you saw this year that maybe you can build around. Uh, Andrew Thomas, he's a piece. Thibodeau, he looks like he's a piece. Daniel Jones, he might be a piece. But for the most part, this is not a talented football team. But they've got a good coach, and coaching matters. Yeah, I'll put it this way. Imagine, like, if you have, like, the next Garrett Wilson on your team catching pass there, Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, your top receivers. It changes the complexion of the team completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and the other thing that I think Dable deserves a lot of credit for, and I think he should win coach of the year, but the other thing I think he deserves a lot of credit for is he built himself a good staff. Yeah, that, that took guts for a rookie head coach to go out there and bring in a guy like Wink Martindale to coach your defense. That's a guy who a lot of rookie head coaches would stay away from because you know, he might take your job. He's an established NFL coach. But Dable brought him on, and uh, Wink did a great job with the defense, and I think Dable built himself a really good staff. I think he absolutely did here. And now we get a fun game here. They go to Minnesota on Sunday, take on the Vikings, the prime slot of the weekend, 440 on Fox on Sunday here. And Lines minus three for the Vikings. These two games playing week 16, absolute thriller. Greg Joseph has the field goal at the gun here. Like, what do you think is the key here for the Giants to win this football game? The, the Giants, I think, have two keys to win the football game. Number one is they cannot let Jefferson beat them. And that's easier said than done. But whether that means doubling him, you, you cannot let Jefferson just run wild and beat you. Uh, so make, and I understand Minnesota's got a lot of other playmakers, but make somebody else beat you. That's number one. And number two, I think the Giants are going to need to score. I don't expect them winning to win this game if they only can score in the teens. I think they got to get to at least 24, 28 points to win this game. I agree. This thing's going to shoot guys written all over because neither team is particularly strong defensively. No, no. The, the Giants are have kind of adopted a bend but don't break defense this season. But the Giants also do not score a lot of points. Their best offensive game of the season was in Minnesota, though. And uh, and hopefully they can come back and do it. But I, I don't see them winning unless they can get 24, 28 points here. Yeah, because the Vikings will score. It's a matter of, like, you need to outscore them. It's not You're not going to be, like, you know, putting out defensive clinic and winning this game, like, 21-17. No, no, absolutely not. And I guess, I guess I can add a third key to the game. 
we all know that Kirk Cousins has a history of some boneheaded decisions in big games. So I'd say put pressure on the quarterback. Make Kirk Cousins make throws under pressure. He may make a mistake or two. Yeah, this is a big Thibodeau Ojolari spot. Like get get in there, a little Dexter Lawrence too. Yeah, get, get some pressure on the quarterback. And you, we all know Wink Martindale loves the blitz. So uh, if you're going to dial up the blitz, that's fine. But Jefferson, you got to make sure Jefferson doesn't kill you in the blitz pickup. Yeah, you got to get home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to get there. You got to get there. You got to get there. Make Cousins make throws under heat. Maybe he makes a mistake or two because uh, I think if you win the turnover battle, you can beat the Vikings. Absolutely. Let's get to the picks. The reason why you're here, like our good friend Phil Lombardo was here last week to close the regular season. He went one and two on the week last week. He took the Jaguars laying the six and a half. They ended up winning by just four, so he didn't cover there. He took the Bills by a million, which was probably the correct decision. They won by 13, not the Patriots out of the playoffs. He had the Raiders plus nine and a half, and they ended up losing by 18 points. So one and two for Phil last week. Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't like that Jaguars pick, but uh... – but I understand his picks otherwise. Yeah, one and two for him. I went two and one last week. I had the Texans getting like, the two and a half. They they won outright against the Colts. I had the Steelers getting three and a half. They won outright. Got, got no help from the Jets and make the playoffs here. I had the Packers laying the four and a half. I thought they were going to, you know, just take advantage of the win and go home spot, but you know, they flopped and they missed the playoffs. So loss for me there. Two and one on the week, though. The Packer game was shocking to me. I wanted to bet that one. I thought that was an easy money win. Yeah, I said when I made the pick, Packers by a million, but I talked about the top of the pocket here. I think the mistake they made here was they let Detroit hang around, hang around, hang around, hang around. When you're in a spot like that, you have to let put this team out of its misery early and sort of get them break the wheels. Like, okay, you know what? This game's over. We're going to go home. Not give them the incentive it has. I said, oh, we're down 9-6. We can try and win this game. Well, sure. Especially the way that Detroit found out that they were going to be playing for nothing. Because uh, if you, that Seattle game, all through the game, it looked like Seattle was not going to pull out that game, and they pulled it out at the very last minute. So the the, the Lions essentially took the field, uh, understanding that they had been eliminated just minutes before they took the field. Yep. And on the year, team challengers, 25-28-1. I'm 24-29-1. It's very tight. There's a lot of room for movement here in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm... Seems like team challengers were, were in the lead, so I hope I don't blow that lead here. Yep, so we are picking all six games of Super Wildcard Weekend. We're going to go one at a time here. We're going to st- start at the top here. We're going to begin on Saturday afternoon. This game is going to be at 440 on Fox. Seahawks snuck in thanks to the Lion win against the against the 49ers in Santa Clara. 49ers are laying nine and a half. Phil, where are you going with this pick? I, I don't know how you could not pick the 49ers. The 49ers are an absolute jugger house. They have just obliterated everybody they've played for the past 10 weeks. Uh, I don't care who's playing quarterback for that team. Give me the Niners, and then I'll, I'll lay the Niners. I'm right there with you here. I mean, I saw Seattle play a couple weeks ago. They were not very good against the Jets. The Jets were just born after that game. They barely beat the Rams. They finally tried to give that game back to the Rams here. San Francisco, on point there for us, the best team in the league. They're plus 173 against their opponents this year. They swept Seattle. I don't. I think I know Brock Purdy does make this tempting to take the points, but I'm with you. I cannot bet against the Niners in that spot. No, 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 not at all. The nine and a half. Uh, you, you worry about a backdoor cover or something like that, but uh, still. Uh, I think that I think they'll win by two touchdowns. All right, next up here, Saturday, Saturday, eight fifteen on NBC. 
LA Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguar. If the Chargers laying two as road favorites here, where are you going with this game? Give me the Jags. Give me the points. Uh, the Jaguars, uh, what are they, won six games in a row or something like that? They're hot. They have a proven coach who's won in the playoffs in Peterson. And uh, the Chargers are banged up because for whatever reason, they decided that they were going to play their regulars in the last meaningless game of the season. Now they're banged up for it. So uh, Williams is know is banged up. So give, give, give me the Jags. I think they, I think the Jags win the game outright, but if uh, I'll take the two points. I'm right there with you here. This is a couple of things. Number one, the LA Chargers not be fair on the road against anybody, anybody, especially going cross country for this game here. People forget these teams played in week three. The, the, the Jaguars went out to LA and blew the Chargers out. That's people forget about this game. And they're the hotter team. They have been peaking right now. I will ride the better coach at home getting points. That's a no brainer for me. Yep, agreed. All right, next up here, Sunday early, the Dolphins at Buffalo in Buffalo taking on the Bills. They got in last week thanks to the Jet and Neptune offense with 11-6. No Tua Tagovailoa. Look, Skyler Thompson, quarterback. Therefore, the Bills laying 12 and a half points, and you got to lay them with the Bills. I'll lay 20 and a half points with the Bills. <laughs> I think they're going to win that game by 35 points. Uh, I, I, you know, I feel bad for the Dolphins. I feel bad for Tua, but the Dolphins do not deserve to be in the playoffs. Uh, they are in the playoffs because they happened to play the Jets the last week of the season. If they had played any other team in the league, pretty much they would have lost that game. So uh, g give me the Bills. Give me the points. Uh, I think the Bills are a team with a mission. I think they had a mission before the unfortunate situation with Hamlin. And now I think it's an even more of a motivator. Give me the Bills. I'd lay more than 12 and a half. Yeah, I'm with you again. As our friend Phil Lombardo said last week, Bills by a million. I watched Skylar Thompson, the Dolphins play last week. They could not move the football whatsoever. Buffalo's defense is elite, and you know what the news is that Damar Hamlin's out of the hospital. He's going to be there on Sunday, probably be at center, at midfield for the coin toss. The Saints are going crazy. The Bills win this game by, like, by at least three touchdowns, so I'm going to lay the 12.5 points with, with ease. Uh, yep, that, that's an easy one. All right. Next up here, your game, Giants at the Vikings, Sunday, 440 on Fox. The Vikings are favored by three at home. Where are you going? So the last three games are where it gets a little harder to pick these, I think. And uh, this game is a pure pick with the heart. There is no other rhyme or reason. I have to pick the Giants just because I am so, I'm still shocked that the New York Giants are playing a playoff game on Sunday. It's It's been so long since this franchise has been at all, at all competitive. It's not based on anything but the heart. Give me the three, give me the Giants. I think the Giants are gonna win this game outright uh, against a team like Minnesota. I think they are healthier than they were when they last played Minnesota, and I think they can compete with Minnesota. Give me the Giants, give me the three. Yeah, so this is where we start parting ways here. I'm going to take the Vikings laying the points. And this is one where like, I don't have the emotional attachment here. So I'm looking at this logically. This just feels like a spot. I look at the number here. I think Vegas is daring you to take the Giants to the points. They're going to say, oh, this game was close last time. Won by a field goal. Giants definitely healthier. Minnesota's also healthier. Got some guys back on the offensive line they didn't have last time here. I feel like the throughout that locker room, we can do a lot of talk about, oh, we're not being respected. You know, they're not taking us seriously. I think just the talent gap between these two teams is going to show here in the playoffs here. I think... This is one where I think the Giants are not going to have the horses to keep out in this game. I'm going to take the Vikings playing the points. I could see it, and, and I'd feel a lot better if I had the three and a half than the three. Uh, but, but I'm still going with the Giants, but that's a pick from the heart. All right, next up here, Ravens at the Bengals. Sunday night, 8-15 on NBC. The Bengals laying seven. Lamar Jackson's status up in the air. We don't know if he's going to play. So we're going to make the pick on Wednesday. But, Phil, where are you going right now? 
Uh, I'm going with the Bengals simply because I have no confidence that Lamar Jackson's going to play in this game. Um, and, and, you know, the, the Bengals, uh, for people forget, obviously, this is a team that made the Super Bowl last year. They are good. If they're explosive on offense, they, they can they can play. Uh, I, I, seven is a big number, and I wasn't happy about it, but I'm assuming that Lamar Jackson does not play. So give me the seven. Give me the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to take the seven with the Ravens here. I think this is, yes, I know I'm taking a risk. Lamar doesn't play, but... I feel like this defense will keep them in the football game. If they're going to try and establish the run here with whether it's with Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, you name it. I think that this is – I'm taking the seven. I think Cincinnati wins this game either way. If Lamar plays, he's going to be very banged up here. But I think this game's close. But I think see Baltimore is not getting himself to on a playoff game. So I will take the points. Yeah, I – Again, that was a tough one to pick, and and if I was betting that game, I don't think I'd bet the point spread. I'd probably try and do some sort of a parlay of Bengals and the under or something like that. I expect a sloppy defensive type game. So, uh, but because we're doing the point spread, I'd give me the Bengals. Yeah, we want to throw in a teaser more likely to actually pick the spread. It was not this not this podcast. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, last but not least here, the, the most interesting game of the weekend, in my opinion. The Buccaneers hosting the Cowboys Monday night, ESPN, ABC, 815. Cowboys two and a half point road favorites against the Buccaneers. So, Phil, where are you going? Uh, I'm making this pick for our good buddy, Mike Pagan. A few years ago, I picked the Cowboys in the playoffs, and he says it was my fault that they lost. So I'm going to pick the Bucs simply for Mike Pagan, so he cannot blame me if the Cowboys <laughs> lose. But I do have a reason beyond that. The Cowboys looked absolutely terrible, 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 terrible in week 18. I don't think Dak has looked good all season long. And look, I can't, the Bucks don't look good either. Todd Bowles is their coach. But then again, Mike McCarthy is the Cowboys coach. So I expect a sloppy game, but I guess ultimately at the end, uh, I'll put my faith in Tom Brady that he finds a way to win this game at home. How many home playoff games has Tom Brady lost in his career? Not many. So uh, I'll, I'll take the box, but uh, I don't love the game. Yeah, this is another one where we're going three for three going against each other on the last three games. I'm going to take the Cowboys. Yeah, it's another spot where we're sort of reading the Vegas line where it's under a field goal. They're trying to get you to take Tom Brady at home. They make him an underdog here. But watching these teams play, Dallas far and away is the superior team here against against these guys. Tampa Bay is not good. The one thing they have is the quarterback situation, but Brady is better than Prescott. But I like this team as a whole. I think Dallas come out and play well in this game. They didn't really try last week against the against the Commanders. They knew they were basically done with the way the Giants broached the game here. The way I see it is this year. This is a game that the Dallas Cowboys have to win or jobs are getting lost. Mike McCarthy's not coming back. They lose this game on the road to an 8-9 Tampa Bay team. I trust they get the job done here. Great. McCarthy may not be safe next week if they don't win the game, but I'll take the Cowboys lay the points here. In fact, they don't have to cover three. It's good enough, good enough for me. The Cowboys are a better team. I agree with you. And uh, if it weren't for our good friend Pagan, I might pick them. But out of respect for Pagan, I'm picking against them. All right. So that's the that's the week here. So I'm going to reset your picks first here. So these are Phil's picks for wildcard weekend. He's been 49ers laying an eye and a half against the Seahawks. Jags getting two at home against the Chargers. The Bills laying 12 and a half against the Dolphins. Giants plus three in Minnesota. Bengals laying seven at home against the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Bucks getting two and a half against the Cowboys here. My picks now. We're going to go to my set of six to wrap up the weekend here. And it's not pretty much the same, to be honest with you. You look at the at the board here. You've got, in terms of the scenario here, 
Give me one second here. I gotta get this set up here in terms of the apologies to the people on the audio end of the podcast because doing this and this is not very easy to sort of combine them here. But my picks on the board here, we're going with the same first three that Phil had here. We are gonna go with the New York. We're gonna go with the. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Real quick here. Niners, Jags, Bills, other way. Vikings laying the three. Ravens getting the seven and in Cincinnati. Cowboys laying two and a half a road. Those are your picks here for Super Wild Card Weekend. Coming up next week here on the podcast. We're joining the other half of that game. Once again, second time of the season. Phil followed by Joey Castellano on the picks. Oh, uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, I hope he's, uh, hope he's upset next week. <laughs> uh, but uh, look, um, the, just to, to close off with the Giants, do I expect them to win the football game? No, I, I don't think the Giants are good enough to expect them to beat anybody. But uh, I'm just, I'm happy as a fan, and and you should, you obviously would appreciate that as a Jet fan, maybe even a little more than me. But it's just seeing this franchise, which was a laughing stock of the league with Gettleman, now is in a playoff game in prime time. I'm I'm excited. I mean, think about this. At this point in 2022, we were talking about the. Joe Judge like running punts, running quarterback sneaks on his own five yard line to set up punts. Now we, yeah, like a full year later, you know what? You're in the playoffs. You know what, Mike? Thank God that Joe Judge did that, and thank God that he had that press conference because I truly believe that John Mara wanted to bring him back, but that was such an embarrassment that he had no choice but to fire him. And look at where they are now. So, so thank God. Basically, one year to the day, almost, you guys are celebra- or popping the champagne, with the pl- or, or celebrating the playoff at home. It's it's great. Uh, it's great. I, I The franchise was so inept for so many years that it drove me away. I, I hardly even watched the games. And then uh, this year, you know, I saw them beat Tennessee. And then right around when they beat Green Bay in London, I was like, wow, this team might, this coach is for real. I'm going to watch these guys. Yeah, and then you get the Baltimore one the week afterwards. Like, man, this is fun. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Phil, thanks for all the time. Really appreciate it. And hopefully you got your guys put up a good effort this weekend. Like, I say don't agree on the pick, but I feel like they, they I gave them about a 35-40% chance to win this game. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know what? They they have a chance. That That's more than most of the teams in the league can say. Yep, including mine, Phil. Thanks for all the time. Yep, take care. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, two-minute drill time. Let's talk about the college football playoff here. And to be honest, not much to talk about because this game is over in the first quarter. And with Georgia up 17 out there, 38-7 at the half. Call the credit TC for getting there. They deserve their spot in the title game. But the talent gap was evident. Georgia was basically bringing the bazooka to the gunfight while TC was bringing a knife. That's basically the description of this game. I've never before in my life seen a national title game where, or a change game in general, where the team was so far ahead they could take timeouts to give their players standing ovations for the crowd. Georgia will do that in the fourth quarter. Stetson Bennett deserves it. I mean, back-to-back national champions here. Georgia now on their way to try and become the new power in the in the in college football world, not just the SEC. Now they've matched Alabama as the last team to win back-to-back titles 2011-2012. They now do the same 2021-2022 seasons. Favorite, they're going to be favored to win again this year, too. I mean, early odds had them out. They have a big recruiting class coming in. We'll see what happens here. I'm excited to see, you know, the expanded playoff makes this harder for a team like Georgia going forward, but enough on that. The other big story here that broke in between recording of the podcast is obviously the news that the Carlos Correa deal fell apart. The Mets end up losing him to the Twins. 
it's going a six-year, two hundred million dollar deal with Minnesota. Vesting options can bring up to I think two seventy for four more years. Bottom line is this: the Mets had an opportunity here to get this deal done. They could not get the language done. My guess is this involves an insurance issue with the ankle because remember he left the Giant deal because of they had concerns over his ankle. The Mets had the same concerns. It's been almost three weeks negotiating, trying to find a solution here. The contract could not not be insured for a deal that long. And the Mets said, you know what? Like, Steve Cohen is a smart business guy. He's made his life on risk rewards. He's made a very good living at that. He said, I want the player. This is too risky. So let's try and find common ground here. So they talk about all these alternatives. Who knows? The PA lawyers approved any of these. They came to a point, you know, they said, we're, we're going to lower our offer. Sounds like the final offer they came up with sixty years, one hundred fifty-seven and a half million dollars, basically the same average salary he was going to get, just cut in half the, the original deal, and then you can earn the rest back by passing physicals every year and just getting conditional deals. The Twins came in same years, six years higher AAV. That's how the deal gets done. In the end, is it disappointing? Yes, but at the same time, Steve Cohen will spend on this team. And there will be opportunities for him to spend on this team. He's shown that. He gave Francisco Lindor $341 million for him to play a game in New York. He gave uh, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander $43 million a year. A deal like this with the physical, it's good to see that, you know, he didn't just force it through because he wanted the glory from the back page and the fans for getting the job done. He tried to get value, couldn't get it done. That's it, that. As far as the Mets are concerned, though, it's disappointing because, obviously, they could have used Carlos Correa. They need more power in this lineup. What I think they do now to pivot, I think it's very simple. You don't panic. You don't go and swing the big train, dump your whole farm system on the ground for Brian Reynolds or somebody that ilk. You can fortify your bench. You can go sign a fourth outfielder with some pop on the right side. Maybe Adam Duvall is a good fit. Andrew McCutcheon would be a good fit. Go to camp what you have. Try and incorporate some of these younger players you have. And that was one of the big criticisms we have in the Mets last year is that they waited way too long to give Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez a look. You have a whole season here where the team is pretty much like a similar basis as what we saw that last year, where they won 101 games. They have a deeper rotation, you can argue. They have a deeper bullpen. They have the same lineup, but there will be obviously about some aggression. If you go from like a 101 win team to a 92 win team, that's good enough to make the expanded playoff field. I think what you need to watch here is start the season here, give these guys some opportunities. If they come through for you, great. You have found your power on the cheap. If you haven't, you can go be aggressive at the trade deadline if the opportunity is there. Maybe Shohei Otani is, is available at the deadline. You go get a deal done. Then he's not going to be available now because the Angels' ownership situation is up for Mavs and they want to sell the tickets for at least the first half of the season. So that could be an option. Maybe another bit power back comes through. They got to be more aggressive at the deadline if they are in position to win again. That's the option here. And they can go throw the, the uh, ring struck at Otani in the winter. There will be opportunities here. The Mets all season not broken because they didn't get Correa. As much as people want to say that, I think it's a good sign that the owner was smart, followed through his principles that got him to be successful in life and he didn't overreact and seal a deal that could have gotten very bad for the Mets. I mean, could they still end up with egg on their face if Correa is healthy and producing for the Twins like a star for the next five, six years? Sure. But those are the risks you take. And when you have as much money as him, I can't blame him for wanting to have a sure bet in this. The mistake he made was going to the post and saying, yeah, this is the we needed one thing, and we got this one thing before the deal was done because now he's given away all their leverage, all the grievances. Hopefully he learns from that. 
With that, I want to end the show for you. I want to thank my guest, Daryl Slayer, for coming on here to talk all about the Giants as they get ready for this game against the Vikings. Also, I thank Phil Freida for doing the week. Wow, Super Rock Hard Weekend NFL picks. You want to stuff like this podcast, including my look at uh, what did we talked about last week. We talked about the AFC home field contingency scenarios, explain what those were. Check out the blog or just in the suffering.wordpress.com. Also, check the Sky Guys podcast. The premiere of Bad Batch is in the feed. The episode three podcast is up now. That Bad Batch stuff is only on the Sky Guys feed. So if you like what you see there, check it out on that podcast on the feed. Same podcast platform at the top of the show. You can follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. That's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week, we're going to get into recapping Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll get you ready for the divisional round. We'll do some NFL picks and more. Until I have a better week than Packers fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.